Is that Benny Goodman, that one? Did he write that ben, one? No, Edgar Sampson wrote Edgar that. Edgar Sampson, Edgar, right. The unsung hero of the swing era. Yeah, Edgar yeah. Sampson, the sax player in Chick Webb's band, wrote that and Stomping at the Savoy and Don't Be That Way. But yeah. they were all big Benny anthems. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, but that is the Cinderella of the Edgar Sampson triptych. Right, I like this. Triptych, that's a, a good word. Very yeah. impressive. Must well, use well, that in conversation. You proper money, you get all my words. Well, exactly. I'm pleased about this. Anyway, it's a real uh, pleasure to have you here, Pete Long, and uh, we have the the great team tonight of Coach York and deputising for Al Swanger, who is uh, absconded somewhere else, naughty lad. We have uh, Jim Rintel, very fine player from Exeter. And, um, yeah, it's a real pleasure to have you here, Pete. So how did you first get into jazz? Oh, well, uh, two strands to it, really. Uh, all about the time when I was around 13, mm-hmm. in 1978, 79. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to be in the Air Force, and so I was, I was you know, my house was bedecked with Airfix models, and it was all things aeroplane. I was in the cadet, and uh, for my 13th birthday treat, my mother took me to see Star Wars, and, uh, you know, Buddhism for kids, with a poor <laughs> script, and uh, lots of <laughs> fabulous Airfix models flying yes, about, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a smorgasbord of, I mean, just the right stuff for a 13-year-old, mm. and it's, of course, Carrie Fisher in the white dress, so it was all, it, all terribly exciting. And I was very taken by the, um, that thing that they do in the middle, which Bob Hunt informs me is by Ellington. Um, John Williams, nicking tunes, never. Oh dear. And, um, so, uh, I got the soundtrack album and I loved it. I played it over and over again, you know, teenage lad with that. And so I wanted to, because of that, it's three three soprano saxes, that, no, it's two sopranos and an alto and a Caribbean drum because Williams was trying to do a space version of the Benny Goodman Quintet with reeds and percussion. That's what he was going for. But I loved the sound of the pan, so I wanted to learn how to play the pan, but we didn't have pan lessons at school, so I I took the saxophone instead. So that that got me into playing, but then the thing that really got me was that, of course, now in the late 70s, early 80s, it's barren, a barren wasteland for popular music. Yes. You know, Earth, Wind and Fire and all the gloopy, lovely disco stuff are gone, Mm. and we were into the harsh electric world of... New Romantics and Haircut 100 and God knows what else. And, and it, it was, it was, it really didn't light my candle at all, no. that music. And so looking around for other music, uh, my mum had a little Glenn Miller 10-inch album, put that mm-hmm. on. And um, it was Skylark that got me mm. because it's so beautifully done. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, jazz musicians can be a little disparaging towards Glenn Miller, but... They mm, were very, some great fellas doing yeah, it very, yeah. very well. I think we all don't like Glenn Miller because of having to play String of Pearls very badly for money. Uh, but the, the real article is um, is quite spectacular. Mm. And that was the thing that really opened my ears to the sound of the big band and, of course, the sound of swing. And, you know, and funnily enough, at my school, there were some other lads who were getting into that. And then one of them discovered Duke Ellington. Mm. And then that really starts to open the doors, and I got we all got into Benny Goodman as well, and then Dizzy Gillespie was sort of we all got into that after a while, yeah. and I stayed there. Uh, some of my Andy Haig, I was at school with Andy Haig from Bristol, yeah. and uh, we, we did this kind of little journey together. And Andy got a lot more progressive, a lot quicker than me. He got into Kenny Wheeler and Gil Evans and stuff, and I was I was still stuck on Dizzy and Benny Goodman and things, and I, I've remained there ever since because the musicians that give you an awful lot to chew on. Yes. Yes, I would agree with that. Very tasty, yes. you could say. Yes. So that's how I got started. And um, 
uh, and then you know I just carried on down that path. Um, you know, obviously I had to. Did you I, go to college? Did you I go went to music the Royal college? London College of Music. Oh, I see. Uh, which was which was nice, uh, and then I got a theatre tour in, so I left that early and went out on the road. Mm-hmm. And um, then it was Nigel for me, and a lot of Jewish functions because there was a lot of them at the time. Um, some funny stories. Ten hours with no breaks, isn't it? It used to be masochism, mm. yeah. I mean, it, like two, two and a half hour sets and then mm. another set of an hour and a half. Yeah. Now, if you do a function now, you do two fifties, it's much more human. Yeah. But uh, back then, I, I think also in that market, the, the more masochistic the band leader felt he was being, the better value for money I think he thought he was representing. And so oh, right. we all got caught up with that. But it was great, you know, lox and soup and you know, nice nice cakes at tea time and things. Oh, absolutely. And, and I, I quite like the Jewish music, to be honest with you. It was not fun to play. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Even that length? Well, yeah, but you'd only do that in short bursts. Yeah. Uh, most of the time, we were playing things like The Lady in Red. And um, I know you're looking confused, aren't you? I didn't mean to mention that in a jazz place, but no, I've done it now. The, no, the gene is out the, the bottle. sign, really. For those of you listening in, I've just had the paddle of rebuke laid up to me, <laughs> and I'm, my cheeks are burning with incandescent shame. <laughs> you, don't know what, you don't want to know what's written on the paddle of rebuke, no. but if you visit the website on Christmas, you might find out. Oh, <laughs> that's something to make a note of. Yes. So from there, where, where did you go from there? What was your next... Uh, <clears throat> Sort of uh, band well, you got well, into. Well, I was in Nigel. And, yeah. Um, How long were you with them? Do you do that quite oh, a while? Oh, I, I did that for about four years. It was right. great fun. Yeah. Um, and, and Bill Ashton was amazing, really, looking back on it. We, yeah. we all thought he was a silly old man at the time. But looking back at what he was trying to do and how he was trying to do it, it really was a good training for the industry because he wasn't a difficult man, really, not in his heart, but he would, he would assume the role of that, I think, to test us. Yeah. Because he knew... Outside in the cruel world, you're going to have to deal with some very difficult people and know what to do. And so it was. It was. A, good training. It was a moral as well as a musical training. Mm, it was good. good. It was really good. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and of course, players that come through it. You know, yeah, just... and there was loads and loads of gigs for Nigel yeah, at the time. Yeah. You know, we we're on the coach three times a week, going great hither and yon. Yeah. Um, all you know, enjoying the pub and isn't that? They're really enjoying the idea of. Um, you know, being musicians. So you got your drinking chops together at the same time. Well, yeah, time. interestingly, we, uh, yes, we did. We were doing a gig at the Bath Festival and our guest was the great Ronnie Ross. Mm-hmm. Remember Ronnie? I do, yeah. Uh, and, you know, Ronnie had been through the mill and we all came back from the pub after the rehearsal a bit merry and Ronnie was sat in the band room, you know, because he, he had to can it all because, you know, he, he got damaged. And it was, it was quite a thing. This is the proper things you learn. And, and he went... Lads, lads, and he calmed us down. He said, just, "I just need to tell you something." And he wasn't a bollocking or anything. Could we say bollocking? You can. It wasn't a bollocking or anything, uh, but he he said um, he said, "Look, there's something you need to know, lads." He said, "The business is unforgiving, and if it decides you smell of booze, it doesn't matter how long you're on the wagon. Everyone's going to think you stink of it." Mm. And. Mm. Um, and that was coming from somebody who'd been on the, yeah. the rough end of that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and we also went, all oh, right. And, and he, it was so beautifully done because it wasn't hip. We didn't feel admonished. We just felt that we had hand on the shoulder from a wiser elder, which is exactly what happened. Mm. And those sort of experiences in Nigel were great. Yeah, yeah. They, uh, you know, Ronnie Rossi's going to speak the truth, isn't he? He was there with Tubby. Yeah. He knew. Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. 
So then there was that. And then I went off and I got into Itchy Fingers with Mike Muller. Right, uh, yeah. When Nigel Hitchcock left. So I had to go and play Nigel's pad, which is the hardest thing I've ever had to do. Really? Yeah, well, yeah. It, was, it was written specially to catch Nigel out. <laughs> by Mike, who's got a lot of dirty tricks, you know. There's no need for that. Cool. No, no, Mike is the dick dastardly of arranging. Ooh. And, uh, it, but, I mean, Mike's a great genius. A good West Country lad now. Yeah. Have you ever had him down there? No, He's got no. a very interesting show, Mike. It, All right. Yeah. Just want to... Amazing flute player. All right. And a unique style on the sax. Um, and, um, a very good sense of humour as well. Very dry. Like that. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so I, I worked with Mike for a bit. And then... Then the touring got a bit much for me, so I, mm. I I handed the baton over to Matt Waits to go over for me. Yeah. And then I went into West End Theatre work. Yeah. yeah. Factories. Yeah. Down the factory, it was uh, it's doing me in a bit, but it was good, and so I went to that, and then that sort of uh, the show I was on finished, and I got a job with Jules Holland. Yeah. Yeah. Which I'm... was it, great to see that side of the business. Mm-hmm. It wasn't really my cup of tea, to be honest with you. The all the music, but you know, he, Jules is a really nice man to work for. He's, that's what I've heard. Yeah, good really, reports. I mean, the bloke you see on the telly—that's who he is. There's, there's no pretense. Well, that's nice. It yeah. is nice. He's he's, a, he's really really nice. And um, so I decided after about five years of that, I wanted to really start doing my own thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got me Ellington band together. By yeah, then. echoes of Ellington. Yeah, is that right? One, uh, yeah, doing four years in the Palladium, mm-hmm. playing Oliver. Paid for that. Yeah. Uh, I saw you down the 100 Club actually. Yeah, it was, doing it, that. Oh, it was great yeah, fun, wasn't it? Yeah, great band. Fantastic um, band. All of that. And so, and the, yeah, and I wanted to start doing my big bands. And then I got the job directing the big band at Ronnie Scott. Yeah. And then it's got a bit easier for me just doing other big bands to suit. Uh, because of the clarinet, uh, I take a Benny Goodman show around. I never really intended to. But uh, I play the clarinet and I can run yeah, a big band. Yeah, yeah. So Brilliant. people want me to do it, so I'll go and do it. And it's great repertoire, it's isn't it? It's fabulous. Mm. I think that early Goodman repertoire, things like Lullaby and Rhythm, it's got great optimism to it. It's great, and that's it's, quite quite a lot to that. Too, the changes and so on, they're kind of bop changes, they really. Were very, well, bop yeah. was on the way, wasn't it? it was, in the late yeah. 30s. You've only yeah, got to to some of the things Hamp was up to. And yeah. Charlie Christine, yeah. ML Special, it's just a notch off bop, isn't it? It is, yeah, yeah. You know. Mm. So uh, there we go. Brilliant. Should we play another piece? Yeah, I'd like to play some classical music now. I tire yes. of jazz in my yes. dosage. Well, we've all had enough of that anyway. Uh, so all that twiddly nonsense. We're going to play a tune now from about 1915 or thereabouts. It's not quite My clear. word. Um, it was first performed in 1918, mm-hmm. uh, and it's written by Cheltenham-born Gustav Holst. Uh, but it's interesting. that This is from his Planet Suite, wow. and it's uh, Venus the bringer of peace, and what drew me to playing this was I was just driving along in the car, listening to some classical music and it, on the radio, and on came Venus, and it struck me that the curves of the melody sounded just like something Billy Strayon would have written. It's very like that, isn't it? It yeah, really, yeah, it really it's amazing. is. The harmony is remarkably similar. Uh, and given the chronology of it, you know, people say, oh, Holst, yeah, he was pretty jazzy, but no, no, jazz is pretty Holsty. Yeah. Between Holst, Stravinsky and Ravel... Yes. You've got most of the chords for jazz in the 60s. Well, a lot of the great jazz musicians drew from them, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah. And know. why wouldn't you? Yeah, exactly. Banging tunes, harmonised beautifully. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> shall, shall we... Uh, I think we should do it after that. Shall we go we? to Venus? Oh, I think so. OK. Oh, Do you know well, we're coming? Now, I want to make it... This is the Holst version and not the Bananarama one. 
Just in case you've got your, your, your green and your orange pads mixed up. Well, I got, I got the synth. I got the 80s synth sound all ready for it. But I'll, I'll no, just move back to the piano. Let's go back onto the piano. Let's go back onto the grand piano, yeah. Okay, lovely. All right, here we go then. One, two, three. <laughs>
Beautiful, Pete. He's a clever bugger, isn't he, Holmes? He's a clever. He's a dirty bopper at heart. He is indeed. In fact, a dirty post-bopper, I think. Post-bopper, yes, exactly. Some of that algebra. Yes, yeah, very, very impressive. So, what? So the current things you're involved with now, what are the latest well, selections? Because you have I'm a lot still, of things happening, don't you? Lots of things well, doing. I've got a lot of things happening very infrequently. I'm spending a lot of time... Ah. Well, I find myself watching television. Um, the Crown I've been enjoying oh. a lot. Very good. <laughs> Not that, uh, you know, although you do have other choices of television programming, of course. Uh, so, I, but I have, on the back of the plants, been commissioned Great. to do a similar Ellingtonian treatment of Swan Lake. Wow. Which will be premiered at the Deal Festival. In fact, I was Fantastic, doing some right? other preparatory work on the train down because mm-hmm. uh, you've got to be careful, haven't you? Ragging the classics because mm. it can sound a bit rotten. Can and, yeah. Uh, so, in fact, what we just did the Venus there was part of the process I did for the mm. planets, which is I sat down with the, the scores. I mean, the great thing about studying classical music is you can buy the scores for about six quid. You can get all that knowledge. Really, so, six yeah, quid? Six seven quid. All that knowledge that Holst put in, the plants, it's, you can just buy it for like the price of a round of drinks. Yeah. And quite a small round of drinks yeah. as well. Big, big One drink, really like. I think, in London. Uh, it, what, it, no. A half, maybe, in London. <laughs> well, you, you Rent a drink, perhaps? You can go in a pub. Yeah. Uh, then, uh, That's but it. it. Yeah. But, uh, uh, so so I used, I'd sit down with the scores and I'd, I'd mark off on the scores uh, where the I thought the hooks of the melody were, because... Obviously, in the jazz orchestra, we have improvised solos. In yeah. the classical orchestra, they don't. They have development and yeah, all sure. this sort of stuff. So, so you've got to work out where the bits of the tune are uh, that would then suit jazzing. Um, and Holst, I mean, Venus uh, is, is quite, a, quite a diffuse melody. It's very beautiful. So I really had to mm. edit it and stretch it and pull mm. it to make it mm. sit like a piece of jazz. Mm. And part of the process was then then making a sort of like what we'd call a fake sheet, the melody with the harmony on it, yeah. and bringing it out to gigs like this and, yeah. and playing it. So I got a concept of all of them as, as jazz standards. Mm. Mm. Uh, and then then I was able to take them back. I know some of Ellington's tricks, so I was able to do that. And then I, when I finished the bulk of that orchestration, I then went back to the score and put some of the holstier bits in to make it a proper fusion. Mm. And so I'm currently doing that with the Tchaikovsky. I'm going through the score of Swan Lake and uh, producing fake sheets. Um, Fantastic. That'll yeah. be amazing. Look forward to hearing it. Oh, it'll be fun. Yeah. It'll, be, it'll be fun. Yeah, it'll be it fun. Will. Ellington's yeah. up pretty well. Well, there's a precedent, isn't there? Strayon did the Nutcracker. Yes, he did. Yeah. So, Which yeah. is the precedent for the Holst as well. Of course, but, yeah. yeah. But Tchaikovsky's a little simpler because he very obligingly writes tunes in eight-bar chunks like yeah. we do. So... Uh, Gotta love him. You gotta love him, yeah. and he knows about a good tune. He does. They're great tunes. You can tap. You can always tap your toes to him, yeah. can't you? Well, you'll be able to soon. I will do. <laughs> I expect to. I should give it the toe tap test when I come to your, the first gig. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> I thought you'd approve of that. Yeah. Yeah. And so you're doing that. You're still involved with the Ronnie Scott orchestra. You do the jazz at the Phil show. The jazz at the Phil goes round. Yeah, that's great fun. Well, that's like we were talking in the car. That's a good bit of entry level jazz. The jazz at the Phil. Wonderful stuff. Because jazz can be very, very clever and it's very, very good. But sometimes it can be a little bit exclusive. And so sometimes it's fun just to have lots of really great players playing something simple that's very groovy. Wonderful. Because well, I think what 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 the what somebody who's not listened to a lot of jazz before misses when they hear jazz is regular rhythm and hooks. Yeah. You know, because of all, well, because of the nature of the beast. Mm. But a jazz at the Phil concert has lots of that because 
the solos are kept quite short, but there's lots of them. Mm. You know, there's nine front line sometimes. Yeah, it's a big setup. But that then, but the rule is, we do the jazz at the fill rules. Three choruses each. Mm -hmm. Third chorus is backed with riffs. Brilliant. And the drummer is not allowed to do fills, and there are no bass solos. Perfect. <laughs> a perfect world. There. Except in one number when it's the bass player's show. Ah, you know, so you, you have to do. You so you, know, you've you got to give them, got to throw yeah. them a bone. You? Everyone needs a wee, so you need a bass solo. You know, <laughs> <laughs> and the audience, of course, yes. Yeah, oh yeah, well, exactly. it's the only way, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so good. So lots and lots of things. I'm pleased yeah. to hear it, and it's been a real pleasure chatting with you and performing. And I'd like to thank the guys today, Coach York and Jim Rintel. Thank you, guys, and. Um, we're going to finish off with... Oh, a sudden change of plan. A sudden change of plan? A sudden plan. change of plan, yeah, because I thought I should play the saxophone. Lovely. God knows Jolly why. Good. Well, and, thank uh, so what I want to do is, is something I, I, I've, I've grown very fond in the last couple of years of the playing of James Moody. Mm, yeah. uh, especially from the late 40s. And Moody had a thing going where he would play a blues at about 90 beats a minute. So neither fast nor slow. Yeah. And it, it makes it very groovy. Um, and so I will. I, there's never a tune, it's just a blues. We'll play it in F. It's Thursday, isn't it? It's Thursday? Yes. Yeah, it we'll Thursday. play it in F. Yeah, F. Blues Thursday. And, uh, and uh, I've just said a cult, so this will be, this'll be uh, The Man Flu Blues. Perfect. All right, here we go then. One, two, three.
Lovely, Pete. Those are fun, aren't they? They are tremendous fun. fun. Thanks ever so much. Pleasure. Great. Pleasure, mate. I'll, I'll go nip off back to Croydon now. No, we <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Nice one. Great. Thanks.